Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Sobertown, which is going to be part three of now I think it's becoming a little mini-series of where the I Am Sober members are talking about this really sensitive subject called grief. And we discussed in the part one and two with Squirrel Monkey and Breakground how it comes in uh, no particular order, day, intensity, shape, way, shape or form. It's just something that is very personal, a lot like sobriety, and we have to handle it. And uh, today I have with me a woman who has just been vital to the I Am Sober community, especially the women. She founded the Zooms for the support groups for the ladies, of which now we have five that are running in conjunction with also mixed and other Zooms that, you know, we just voluntarily put together. So I just want to thank her just and give her a shout out because she does so, so much. And um, women comment today on, oh, isn't this fantastic? And this is so great. And 12 months ago, we didn't have that. We didn't have this love and support. We didn't have these beautiful readings that we get every single morning from this woman. So her name is Polly A. We all know her. We all love her. And I didn't really want to pick this subject to talk to you about, but good morning. Good morning. Oh, my God. Am I going to be able to get through the door after this interview? Yeah, of course you can. I haven't actually had the honour of sitting in this chair and actually introducing you for the first time. Can I say thank you very much? You're welcome, my dear friend. The feedback I get from a lot of the ladies, it just feeds me and makes me realise it's worthwhile and it's it's something we needed. So, yeah, if I felt that I needed it, then hopefully other people needed it and we we give back in that way. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. You are welcome. And it brings me to this great, huge topic of grief and it comes in... Wow, so many shapes and forms, doesn't it? And, you know, we were talking about yesterday and, you know, you and I with the rabbit holes, we're really good at this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are different actual types of grief now that we talked about prior, like complicated grief, grief that um, we talked about examples of women that had gone to the doctor and the doctor said, how long? They said 12 months and been told you should get over it and given pills. Mm -hmm. That was very common that we found. Um, Therapy also. And so we know with you, this is something very near and dear to your heart. So you tell the listeners what your story is. Um, I've had, a, I think grief is, is, it's one of those emotions we all go through at some point or other. It doesn't necessarily mean the loss of a person when we do grieve, but mine was around the loss. My biggest grief in life was around the loss of my first husband. Um, and the background to it was um, we celebrated his 50th birthday. We used to have some absolutely amazing barbecues in our backyard and the neighbours used to love the music and they'd hang out the windows and sing along. And it used to be so much fun. And we, we did um, this barbecue for his 50th birthday and we invited so many people. And for some reason, no one said no. Everybody came. It was going on from like two o'clock in the afternoon till whenever the last person fell over was the way we, we did it. Yeah, right. We even, we even had a tent up in the garden because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so two t- let's call them two tired souls, God bless them, <laughs> with a gut full of grog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, uh, good old days. It, was, it, was, it was fun. I mean, there was a lot of alcohol. Yeah, but there was, yeah. It wasn't, it, wasn't, um, in, it wasn't drinking in the, in the way that I drank. 
towards mm. the end of my days at drinking days, actually. This was one of those fun times around alcohol that it's a happy memory, you know, it, 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 and I can remember everything of the night. <clears throat> and we thought it was just so wonderful that so many people had come. And that was on Saturday. He'd been 50, turned 50 the Tuesday before, and we had this big barbecue on the Saturday. And then exactly one week later on the Tuesday, uh, after his birthday, he had a massive heart attack and died. No warning, no nothing. It was just boom, out of the blue. Um, I think my first memory, I mean, I remember being there when he died because he was at work. We both worked at the same place. We both worked for National Health. I was on a day off. It was actually a bank holiday. It was a uh, May bank holiday, the end of May. And uh, there's always the late bank holiday in the UK, and it's usually a two-day event Monday. And I got a phone call from him saying he wasn't feeling very, can I come and pick him up? He'd got someone to come in and cover his shift because he was um, he used to work shifts and you couldn't leave unless there was someone to help cover. So I drove up to the hospital and I sat in the car waiting and all these people ran past me. And I thought, oh, gosh, there's something going on. I worked in a hospital and so did him. We knew what it was to when there was an incident of some kind. And I started walking down the path to um, the front door to find out what was going on. And as I walked past my department, because I was the, the two girls on duty looked out the window and saw me. I knew by the look on their faces that there was something. And I went through the door and I remember he was lay behind the reception desk. Um, and they were trying to resuscitate him. Um, they saw me and they pushed me outside on a chair. And I remember calling my eldest boy and saying, there's something up here. Can you come up real quick? And I think he must have sensed something in my voice. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because he ran mm. all the way. You do, you know. Yeah. And we got the other, the other two boys up there, uh, but he'd gone. He just, just like that, he'd gone in the blink of an eye. I think the next, the next thing I remember, a lot of people came and visited because he was a very popular guy. He was well-liked. He was well-loved. Um, and the next thing I remember was it was the next morning, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, we're in another day. We've already moved into another day. And hindsight tells me that, you know, these things happen and, you do move in days all the time, but it, it was just suddenly sitting there realizing that the sun was coming up on another day. You know, I'd already moved forward a day. Yeah. And the first time without too, then it's, um, you, um, you, lose, you lose time, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I walked into the bedroom that night and uh, his sweater was on the chair because uh, he'd got changed. To go to work. He, he was always smart. Always. When he went to work, his shirts were always clean and pressed. And so were his trousers and I always made sure he was smart. His beard was always trimmed, oh, etc. Yeah. I've seen a photo of a very, very attractive couple. Very. He had you, um, you with your had, long legs, <laughs> him with his had, charming face. He had the most amazing eyelashes you have ever seen. He was the envy of a lot of women. Right. He, <laughs> he had these thick, gorgeous eyelashes that were just unbelievable and amazing blue eyes. I married him when I was 17. And uh, we were married over 30 years. Did you have to but get permission? <laughs> my dad had to sign off on it. Yeah, because you weren't legal, were you? 
Jeez, was, you didn't even get, you didn't even get the market. Yep. Say, you didn't even get on the market. You're like a, a post. A, what do they call it? A pocket listing for. Yeah. Yeah. God I bless was, um, It was. Uh, but yeah, I was. I was 17. He was 19. So, wow. You know, we we grew up together. He and oh, I. There a lot oh. of years, and it was about three months after he died. And I think when. When someone passes away that's really, really close like that, either a partner or a mom or a dad, there's a lot of sorting out. Oh, yeah. So your grief is, it's there, but you don't address it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's with not necessarily me. the right timing at that time because there's so many more things pertinent. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the thought all the time being, I just want my life back. Can I have my normal life back? Because what I was heading into was just something totally mm. not normal. Like I say, he we'd been together for over 30 years. So the bulk of my life had been spent with him. It's a long time. Yeah, three children. A lot of history, a lot of memories. And about and I was I remember being told that grief, it goes in stages of um, highs and lows. When you first um, start grieving someone, the lows are extremely low. Mm-hmm. And it it's like climbing. You have to climb back out of that pit. Mm-hmm. It's almost similar to when I stopped drinking, when I was at the, dark, the bottom of the deep, dark hole. And I had to find a way because, I mean, I'd lost him. He'd gone. I'd lost him. I hadn't lost him. He died. He's always there. But I had to still work. I had to still carry on a life. And like I say, I at first I just wanted normal back because – one of the first things I truly missed was having someone to talk to. I mean, mm. I've got my children, but it's not the same thing, bless them. And they were scared to talk to me about certain things for fear of upsetting me and making me cry and things like that. So, I mean, there was a lot of, there is a lot of fear. Um, and they had just lost their father yes, too. Yes. You know, you've got three boys. I mean, that's, and a, and a dad, that's a lot of. Or testosterone that you were around too. And then within two, three months of him dying, three months of him dying, my youngest son had a, um, a massive accident uh, at football where he was kicked in the shin and broke both bones in the shin. And I'm thinking, shit, what next? Mm. You know. Because um, we believe in the threes. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. He couldn't get around. He was practically, he, it was awful. It was a really bad time. And I can remember sitting there crying, thinking, what the heck? How am I supposed to do all this? I'm by myself now. You know, the person I relied on to be my friend, my, you know, the person I spoke to, my support system was gone. You- I'm not saying he was perfect. He was far from perfect. He was yeah, same as me. I'm not perfect. We had our moments. You know, I called him a dick many times. He called me a witch. (laughs) We were normal people. Yeah, Yeah, but we banter a lot, the Aussies in the UK, and it's all you ever knew. He was all you ever knew. Didn't know anything else. Right. Um, And I remember standing, um, the hearse pulled up to the front of the house on the day of his funeral. And I remember standing there and I turned around to my mum and said, I can't go. I said, I'm not going. I said, I'm not going. I said, oh, I'm not, that's it, I'm not going. And she said, you've got to go. I said, no. And I think at the back of my mind, I kept thinking that if I don't go, it's not happening. It's one of those, um, 
If I can't see it, it's not going on. I think they were procrastinating yeah. at that point. Yeah, you're right. I knew I had to. I knew I had to. But can we just take a few more minutes? <laughs> you know, yeah, I know yeah. what you know. What, yeah, I know what you, I know what you're saying. You face it. I mean, a funeral is is like huge. It's like, it's, and minutes matter so much where you spend yeah. your time. When he died, that was the shock. But then you're in limbo, mm. sort of a no man's land. Between point, that we haven't and the funeral. About that. Yeah, that has that point hasn't come up, right? Yes, it's like a no man's land. It's like. And I likened it to um, the only way I could think about it was being in the middle of a lake in a boat with no oars, just, you know, nothing. You're just in the middle of this lake, no oars, no nothing. You're just lying in this boat. That's it. Boom. I'm channeling drifter now. Truth. When you hang them around the way, I was going to say, you know what they say, when you hang around with someone enough, you become like them. <laughs> he and I have hung around you. enough. But, um, <laughs> no, it was like, there's like this limbo and you go, th- the one thing I found that just, how do you go out of the house to go and register the death of your partner within two days of them dying? You've got to go out into the world and you're looking at these people just getting on with life on a normal, ordinary day, and you're standing there thinking, there's nothing fucking ordinary about this day. You know, do you not know what's going on in my life? You just want to scream because you think, how can you go about just doing your grocery shopping, feeding the kid, taking them to school and all that? And I've got, I'm dead. You know, this, my life's gone. And so what did you do? What did you do? Because I mean, you got to a point, obviously, where you had three, still three kids. How old were the boys at this point? Um, Chrissy was uh, Chrissy and Matt were in their late twenties, right? Okay. Um, Chrissy was twenty-eight. Matt was twenty-six. Um, okay, so you're living alone now. You find yourself living alone. Andy was still at home. Well, okay. Andy was, but then within a few months, Andy moved friends. So right. Then I was on my. Did you seek medical help? I went to the doctors. Um, but I was very reluctant because I was, brought up in an, I, was brought up, <laughs> I was brought up with this is life. Shit happens. Dig in and get on with it. And the more I kept trying to dig in, the worse it got. Right. And that's complicated grief. And it happens with sudden death. And it's really common. But keep going. Because I, I remember, read- yeah, I remember being in the supermarket shopping and I'm thinking I'm pushing my cart and all of a sudden. It's like a tsunami. It just mm-hmm. overwhelms you. And I started crying and I walked away from my cart and I went home. Driving down the road, it would just wash over the top of you. It was like a flood and you just couldn't control it. The tears would just keep coming. There is no control. You're right. And it, it's, I've said this before, the feelings inside get too big sometimes for your body to hold, even happiness. Grief. And what happened? I love it. What happens to your eyes? They leak. They leak. <laughs> I love it when you say that. Your eyes leak your emotions. My grief yeah. was coming out yeah. in different ways. It has about, to. It has yeah. to. It has to. Yeah, yeah. And I remember about three months after he died, I remember watching the sunset and I had a friend with me at the time. And that was my first real grief was that night. I my heart broke that night. It was like, he's not coming back. 
this is your new normal. This is now your And at what point were you at then? How many months? Do you three think? months. Three months right. afterwards. Well, that, gee, that was quick. Okay. Three months afterwards. Um, so I knew see. it, but common sense tells me, yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Some bounce back quick. Some don't. It's, again. Like, like you said, maybe it's the way I was brought up. I don't know. Um, I was the same. Uh, you had yeah. to get on with it. Yeah. I said, Mummy said to me, life doesn't stop just because somebody else stopped. <laughs> I remember sitting works. with, yeah, yeah, I remember sitting with the kids. I went out, um, I, I tried to creep out of the bedroom. The kids made me go to bed at about God knows what time of the morning. And I just lay there and then I thought, okay, they maybe they're asleep. So I tried to creep out of the bedroom. And the next thing was my one son yanked open the bedroom door and goes, where are you going? And I, of course, I nearly had a heart attack myself then because they were, oh, they were, they were, they were watching <laughs> me, bless them. They were looking out for me because I'm their mom and I just lost their, they just lost their dad. They were well, all, yeah, I were all in it together. Exactly. Exactly. And this thing about getting on with things is, I remember, like I said, the next morning the sun came up and I'm thinking we're already into another day. A day is already gone. We've moved on a date. And I remember sitting with the boys saying, look, the sun's coming up. We're already in tomorrow. And then we'll go to bed tonight. And then the sun will come back up tomorrow. And that's how we'll just go forward. It hadn't, I, I don't think it had really hit me in some ways by then because I was still talking sense. <laughs> I mean, I got to a point where I didn't. But that three-month mark, um, that was like... Um, I hate to say it, but <laughs> normally I would say it's the person we're talking about, but if it was, yes, go completely. Yeah, that three-month mark was like a smack up the back of the head that, you know, and I think because I'd been, like you say, we, we're a tough breed in some ways and we just get on with it and then all of a sudden there's a breaking point. Just takes longer. It comes out, but it just takes longer. When everything um, else is dealt with, then we get to us. And it, it's, it's really hard dealing with all the paperwork as well. You're grieving, but you've still got all the ordinary everyday stuff and people coming at you all the time. You know, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to take care of this and you need to take care of that. Mm. And, in the, and you just want to tell them to go away, leave me alone. Actually, there could be a good good um, career there to be an assistant for people who have lost people. And um, yes, and add some kind of advocate. Yes. Um, and like I said, you you're watching people go through their ordinary everyday lives, and your life is no longer ordinary. Mm. The things you used mm. to do, you don't do anymore in the same way. Um, I lost. I think it was like. What did I lose? Something like about 40 pounds in those three months. And um, at one point I tried to go back to work and I lasted about a week and I had to leave. Okay. So at this point, are you getting medical help? Because this is now getting uh -uh. to um, still toughen it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I can see you clawing at the walls at the moment, but keep going. Yeah. I it wonder did. how much. It, it, Once, I tell you what, yeah. we're tough. We're tough. I left work that day mm. and I did go to the doctor and he was amazing. He sat with me for a long while and let me talk. And he said, this is not going to be an easy road. He said, I can give you something to help you sleep at night. Cause that was one of my big fears mm -hmm. was not getting enough sleep and not sleeping at night because you're so used to the other person being there. 
And he said, I can give you something to help you sleep at night. He said, um, and I can put you in touch with um, the people who deal with grief. Um, and it's up to you. So he gave me the, he didn't, he gave me the pills to help me sleep at night. But I did, I didn't go and speak to a grief counselor at all. I didn't either. <clears throat> and I think while. that's, yeah, I think that's why it's took me a long time to come to terms with a lot of it. And that has only happened gradually. Um, and him going was sort of the start of the grief because not long after that, I lost my dad and that hit hard. Um, yeah. It was, um, you get a phone call and all of a sudden dad's gone. And you think, oh, God, here we go, another funeral. And then I got to, you know, come back here and leave my mom behind to deal with those kind of losses. And I know what she's going through because I'd already been through it. And in some ways, the family looked to me to help mom through it mm -hmm. because they said, you know what's going to happen. You know what needs to be done. But while I'm doing this for mom, I'm doing it all over again in my head. Of course, you're living it. You know, yeah. I'm reliving the whole thing. And mm. um, I but was, did you find, but didn't you find you had different advice for your mum because you did suffer so? Yeah, and some. Uh, my mum was a lot older as well. I mean, uh, she was into her eighties. Well, yes. So it, it, I, you know, she, I, I still think it doesn't matter. You know, age is irrelevant, really. With depends depends on the bond, doesn't it, mm -hmm. between two people and. I did talk to her about the waves. Um, I'd had some, actually the one person that really gave me some really good advice when Ed died was the undertaker. Well, she was kind of, <laughs> kind of experienced. Yeah, talk to them. Go straight to the source. She was amazing. She really was. Um, they are. She, could, was, yeah. she was a true empath. And she did explain, and I'm not daft. I know how to go and do research and dig into things. And that's what I did as well. Yep. Because I had time, you know, because I wasn't a wife. I'd stopped being a wife. Mm. And that was an identity mm. I'd had for over 30 years. Mm. Wife and so, mom. And, yeah. yeah I was still mom, but I'd lost the wife hat. You know, I'd had to let the wife hat go. And I found it hard to look after myself in some ways. Because and the grief, I lacked a lot of motivation in some ways. And it was like, how do you cook for one person? You don't. How do you do this? How do you go there? The one thing I noticed was, how do you go places by yourself? <laughs> yeah. You know, me, myself yeah. and I. It's like I was so used to mm. going places as two people. And now... Yeah. You know, how do I go and do things as one person? That is like hard. That is really hard. And it's another grieving thing because you're losing connections with things outside of your house because you step back from them. And a lot mm -hmm. of people, they get wary of inviting you places because you're on your own. And another thing with grief is people don't know how to talk to you. They're frightened to say anything for fear of upsetting you, for mm -hmm. fear of hurting you. Because once you start crying, they think, oh, God, you know, that, that it starts winding them up as well. Because, like I said, the emotions just come over you like a tsunami. You can't help it. 
And you get these periods where you go extremely low, where you think you don't want to do anything. You just sit there or you lie there and you just let everything go past you. And carry that's on, okay. Carry on all, without All me. that is carry okay as long as it doesn't persist and persist and persist. I think I was lucky in that, um, like you, I was brought up to, um, you, you know, life needs to be worth, needs to be lived. Bills need to be paid. No one's going to walk through the door and hand it all to you on a plate. You got to get off your butt. And I'd, I'd been, mm-hmm. I was married at 17. I'd worked all my life. So, so I was used to getting off my butt and getting on with things. We were never well off. We were only an ordinary family, you know, before the days of um, putting your money in the bank, we were like little brown packet pay packet came in on a Friday and right. sort all the money out, things like that. So that that's, that's, and we both came from families that, you know, worked mm-hmm. and we didn't know out, any other way. And we were out working part-time as kids, you know? Yeah. Very young. Mm-hmm. And mum and dad, well, mum had a shop. I was serving at 12. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I think a lot of what's helped me get through a lot of my grief is the way I was brought up. Um, there was no namby-pambian in my, in my mom and dad's house. Same. Yeah. I was the eldest girl. So, you know, a lot fell to me. So um, I, I, was, I was old before my time is something they say, but the grief um, periods, they did get less and less in that um, when I was knocked down, I didn't stay down as long. I'd pull myself back up quicker. Right. The spaces and the intensity start to change. It was, and a way it was described to me was it's like uh, walking along a plateau and then all of a sudden you go down in a valley and then you come up the other side of the valley and you walk along the plateau and each plateau gets longer and longer and longer and each valley gets smaller mm-hmm. and smaller. Not as deep. Shallow. Yeah. Gets more shallow. Yeah. And the, the one... The first year is the hardest, I think, for anybody who's lost anybody because you've got the firsts of everything. Christmas, New Year, birthday, wedding anniversary. Well, we do know people that we've lost. In children's, the yeah, mm. children's birthdays, things like mm. that. Mm. Those are the hardest things, um, especially Christmas and things because you're so used to being together and you all of a sudden you notice someone missing as like a little hole there. Um, and then, as I say, I lost my dad. And my drink, I was drinking. And then in um, 2009, Dan had his first stroke. And I said to you the other day, I remember something I thought of when Dan had that stroke. And it only reoccurred to me the other day when we were going to talk about grief was, I remember thinking, oh, no, have I got to go through this all over again? Am I going to go back to that place, the widowhood? And I got scared. I got really, really scared um, because I, I had, when you've been through something once, we all know we've lost people. When you go through it once, yeah, you know what's coming. And sometimes that's the worst thing. You know what's coming. Um, so the, the, the Dan thing hit, hit me hard and I started uh, drinking more in order to shut things out. But then just after, not long after that, Dan's mom died. So then, and again, that was another one that you were caring for that you didn't plan mm-hmm. on that happening when you came to America. We've talked about that. Yeah, um, I became Dan's mom's carer for eighteen months or something, wasn't it? I became her carer within six months of arriving in the states. Oh, and yeah. I was her carer from two thousand and three through till two 
Oh, right. Oh, well, there you go. It's way longer. And the last two years of her life, Dan was getting more and more disabled. So I had two of them. And I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to lose Dan and what I went through before. So now I'm looking and thinking, okay, what can I put in place now to help me deal with this sensibly? And it was, um, I started making a list of things I needed to do, things I needed there. Because now I'm in a foreign country to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how this works. I have no clue how this all works. I remember thinking when I took Dan to the hospital with his stroke and they said to me, oh, well, we need 700 and something dollars from you um, so the doctor can come and treat him. And I'm thinking, shoot, how do I do this? It's another thing that slaps at you and you, you think, oh, God, what am I doing? So that. And then from there, I'm grieving the loss of, in some ways, my marriage. Although yeah, Dan is the there. Yeah, the friendship, the whole caboodle. Yeah, exactly. Dan's there, but he's not there in the mm-hmm. same way he was. So, um, you know what I, I realized? Was- One person can take up an enormous amount of airspace in your <laughs> presence. And when they're not there, it's like, whoa. I've lived with one person for three years during COVID. And let me tell you, when he's not here, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's only him and I. So, of course, I understand that. And my so, mum and dad were the same, yeah. And I think, please don't take this the wrong way, listeners. I lost some of the loving side of marriage when Dan had a stroke. And no disrespect to Dan. That's another thing I've had to grieve. And... um like you said, there are, we grieve for a lot of things. Right. I, I grieved that. I grieved not being spontaneous because there was no spontaneity anymore. All I had to think about was, okay, he's had a stroke. He's getting sick. How do I deal with this? How do I manage the house? Because then I am once again the person in charge and that. And I didn't want to be again. I do. I really didn't want to be that person in charge again. And I'm like, here we go again. And I do it. And I don't do it out of duty. I do it out of love because he's my husband and I love him. But there is a duty in there. I suppose I just said I don't do it out of duty. I do do some of it. It's called for better or worse, my love, that we both said. (laughs) And sometimes. For richer, for for poorer, in sickness and in health. I think I've had quite a bit of the sickness I was going to say, and some of those unfortunately hit people a whole lot heavier than others. And you have your back, you're back now in that caring role again. You know, I love and adore Dan to death. And I almost, it's so weird even for me because I would ring my mum every day. My dad had a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know how they have the prelapse to the prelapse? Yep. And it's like when someone is very sick and you know they're sick and but you know, it's not going to be like right now. You just got to, you're in for the long run. This is where we're at. You've got to sit it out and you've got to do it. And God bless him, you know. I mean, you, you do great care, but you sacrifice a lot too. That's, that's just, that's just, the, that's just what you choose to do. And yeah, he sounded like a martyr, but I'm not a martyr. No, it's just, not that. It's not that. It's, it's the, I think, as I say, a lot of it is the way I was brought up. And you, adjust, you have to adjust your lifestyle. Like you said, the aquaerobics, all the things maybe that you were doing when he was fit and well, you have to adjust now to fit into 
because like you said, you have home care, you have other things. I mean, it's a full-time, it's become a full-time job, I know, because I speak to you every day and I've observed it. So I've, and from an outsider, it is sad and I do feel like we're on that journey again. But I also know he's in the best care, if that makes sense too. And you know what? And even from his perspective, I don't believe that he would want anybody else to take care of him because my dad was the same way about my mum. No one could do anything for my my dad except my mum. You know, yeah, and particularly because he'd had TB and everything, he had his own, he had his own stuff, you know, like cutlery and everything. But no one, he didn't want me, no one, only mum, only mum. And I'm sure Dan's the same way with you. He is. And um, when they say to me, "Well, we need to get you some extra help," they say, "No, Paula can do it." <laughs> of course she will. Superwoman. <laughs> She's superwoman. Four more women's groups to the Zoom and doing podcasts. We're on our way. Yep. And and you. you, That's why you need this. You need this community and what we do at Sober Town feeds me. It keeps me connected to the outside world. Yeah. And you can. You do. You take care of all the women. There's going to be. I don't know. Two hundred. I don't know. Many there are now. But there's a lot. There's a lot. Anyway. Yeah. But it's good because it. We all want to feel like we leave something of ourselves behind mm-hmm. when we go. Ed passed and he left me a lot of memories, which are what I live by. I mean, I, I drank every birthday and every anniversary of his death for a lot of years. And I said to you, was I using it as an excuse to drink? Ah, or, you know, why was I doing it? Was I doing it because I was grieving him or was I using it, his death and his, as an excuse to have a binge? Who knows? But then I made the choice that I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to drink on his birthday. And one thing that's come back to me, I feel happier because uh, a lot of the good stuff is coming back, the good memories. Like I said about the barbecues and yeah. the, kids, the kids now – even though it's been so long, over 20 years since he went, since he died, we we talk about him and we have fun talking about him now. That but the sadness that he wasn't here has lasted for a long time because, like you said, I had the three boys, but the three boys weren't married. There were no grandchildren when he died. Right. So you've got the grief. The boys, my my youngest son. Has, has got children and he's had the grief of knowing that his dad is not there yeah. to see his, his children. Yeah, it's the grandkids, yeah. So there, there's grief for a lot of things there. Like I say, I've grieved some of the loving side of my marriage. That's caused some grief to me. And after I'd lost my mother-in-law, I then lost my mom. So I did end up going to counselling and I did it. Um, I remember my first counselling session. I'd never, in the UK, counselling, don't be stupid. Not my generation. You just toughed it out, you know, get on with it, woman. Um, but I did, it, on the advice of um, the doctor, she said, you could do with some counselling. She said, just someone to talk to. Because here's something I think you can relate to. We both live in a country where we weren't born. We didn't grow up here. We didn't go to school here, so we didn't develop the close friendships that a lot of people who are here all their lives develop. Right. And there's, you can talk to someone on the phone, but it's nice to have someone to talk to face to face when you've got these feelings inside. 
you can't, you just want someone to talk them through with. You do understand what's going on because you're grieving. You understand this is grief, but you need someone to talk it through with, someone that can reassure you that, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, you're still going to get up tomorrow. Yeah, it's still going to hurt. It's a process like everything else. You've Um, got to go through it. You have to go through it just like anything else that you feel. And I remember that first counselling session and she looked at me and she said, let's talk. I cried. I yeah, cried. When, you, when she I said, cried. let's talk, you cried. <laughs> but see, I cried. I did talk to her, but I cried Because so you held much. it in so long. I cried. And I, ca- I remember coming home from that counselling session and Dan saying to me, did it go all right? And I said, yeah, I've got to go to bed. I was so exhausted. Right, right, yes. Absolutely exhausted. And I hadn't felt that exhausted since that three-month crying session after he died, after Ed had died. I was, I was exhausted for days after that three-month one. And then this, this one counseling, the very first counseling session, I remember just crying and crying and crying. And someone said to me that they were going to counseling. They'd lost they lost someone and they were going to counsel it. And I said, well, don't forget to take a big box of tissues. And don't be surprised if you need to go to bed and sleep afterwards because it's just absolutely yeah. exhausting. There you go, listeners. Let's just say that. Take a four <laughs> or five o'clock therapy appointment <laughs> for like an hour and get home and get to bed. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Um, um, she said to me, she's, and she did say that I hadn't let go of the grief. Right, exactly. I, I hadn't let it go. I needed to work on letting it go you're working on everything else around you that was needed distractions care of. yes and that's what i said what did i say we leave it we leave ourselves till last we always because do. at the time when we were drinking we didn't feel we were that important we no. didn't matter and no. now we do and no. that's a big difference and the counseling sessions happened the first when i first stopped drinking going back and several it, years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. And the grief. Because, yeah, I stopped drinking and I had to face mm-hmm. the grief. Mm-hmm. The grief of losing him. The grief of Dan's the stroke. Yeah, yeah. The grief of caring for his mom, just feeling like my life was just one long slog and trying to fit in work in between it because I was having to work. Most of my work was out of town on the road, so getting Dan and his mom settled and sorted so that I could leave town and go and do what I needed to do to earn the money to pay the bills. It was like being on this huge hamster wheel. Hmm. And the first time I went to the counselor, she let me step off the wheel and I'd stopped drinking. And all of a sudden the grief was there. It was, didn't realize it at the time probably, but. um, It's so much different though in sobriety, don't you think grief? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's so much more manageable. Yeah. And um, I. And the memories are better. I think, yeah. And like I say. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not depressed anymore like when we were drinking. You have to face it also. Yeah. And that's the hardest part is um, the reality. Because when you stop drinking, reality sets in. Oh, you have to face everything. You have to face everything. And I think if I was a lot younger, I don't know how things would have been. I don't think I'd, I mean, I, I've always been a pretty strong person, both, um, I've, I've always been strong emotionally, 
and uh, but that's on the outside. Yeah, um, I I cry a lot since I stopped drinking this time. You're like I do me. cry a lot. You're just tough on the outside and soft on the inside. Um, because I yeah. see you. I see you with the women. I see you with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tough. Yeah, what she's is very, she's very tough, yeah. listeners. She is. It's very. It's not. Just not. Yeah, it's like fake it till you make it, isn't it? It's because <laughs> we were taught as children and that's what we had to be because we were sensitive. I know. I know. What, you and I are very similar in that aspect too. But, uh, you know, you have to protect yourself to a certain extent. Let's just face it. And well, grieving is very personal. You know, you want to do it on your on your own a lot of the time. And sometimes you might have siblings or family or friends mm-hmm, and yeah. someone can look at you. And it happened to me with bloody Lilo. He's the only one in, in a Zoom. One day he just said to me, how are you? And I was just had a really bad day with mum and dad thinking of them. And I burst into tears. And, and it was the way he said it to me that I knew he really meant it. It wasn't some counsellor just asking me for the eighth time that day or he really meant it. And so, again, if you're with the right people, you know. But also you- I truly believe that your mind will let you let it go when it feels you are strong yeah. enough to deal yeah. with it. Oh, very good point. And I know, we, yeah, we know where you got that, that from. That's yeah. a great point. Mm. Yeah. Um, we did a Zoom the one time and that, that was said in that Zoom. And I have, I have never forgotten that because I think that is just so true that, your mind shuts that part of it away and it, it puts it in a little box because you are right. just not strong enough mentally to deal with that because it's just going to be too big to deal with. And then these, these deaths, one after the other, uh, Ed, my dad, Dan's mom, and um, there was one more in there and I can't Your remember. Your mom? Was. My mom was just after that one. Um. And... Um, I think when I walked into that counselor's office that day and she, like you, she said to me, she said the same thing uh, about, are you okay? And boom, <laughs> the and, floodgates open. But also and, the anticipation of going to that office, you were in a professional environment. Then it was a lot for you to get to that point to accept help too. So there's that added, yeah. it's, it's all a combo. I, 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 I felt exactly the same way and been in exactly the same way where I've walked into a beautiful office in an old house and sat down and she was really soft and loving and said it and yeah same thing I mean normally I'm really strong in that um if there's there's something wrong get on and deal with it because I don't normally procrastinate it's not the nature of me you know if I've got toothache phone the dentist get it done don't put it off you know things like that Um, now this is so different though it is grief no one like you said it's very personal it's yeah no one can prepare you and and then I lost, um, I stayed off the alcohol and then I lost mom. And then I hit the alcohol again. So what, how much time was between that three for years. the listeners? So three listeners, years. Three years, listeners. So three again. Years. Three years off the alcohol. Um, I wouldn't say I was sober. I would say I was a three-year dry drunk in that um, I did that with the counsellor and I felt good in myself and I felt strong in myself after that. And I, I addressed a lot of stuff and I was still working. But then I lost mom and then I had to give up work to take care of Dan. So right. I had to give up my job and take an early and retirement. And I'm thinking, ah, how do we do this? Because once again, I've got the grief of, lost, losing, of 
I didn't lose my job. I, I had to give it up. So that was, uh, that was hard because I loved my work. I loved mm. the work I did. I loved the traveling, but it was becoming impossible to do. And I had to make the decision to give it up. Right. And, right. you know, when you're making these big life-changing decisions, you do in some ways get resentful. And I, I can remember feeling resentful that, I, that Ed had died. I can remember being so fucking mad at him for dying because I was left behind. I was so Quite angry. normal. Quite normal. I was so angry. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, leaving me to deal with all this. Yeah. And then, I've, you know, I've been angry at Dan as well, bless his heart. And he, had, <laughs> he takes it all. <laughs> he sits there and goes... I say, yeah, he can't get away from me. <laughs> He's in a wheelchair, people. He can't go, he can't leave house. Sorry. He can't leave the house. But we and, do uh, through this through humor, people. You, you yeah, do. We, we have to. You, we and have to. here's something you've got to laugh. Oh, you, have you, to. you have to. You have to. And oh. the, after that very first counseling session and um, the ones that followed, because I did, I did six counseling sessions. And I'm not one of these people that needs one every month or every week. Um, I feel like I can be my best counselor. Mm-hmm. And you and I know, because you do the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We educate ourselves. If something's not right, we go looking for, okay, what is this? How do you deal with it? And we, we, we deal with it. We, we don't procrastinate. Right. We don't put it off. We think, okay, this isn't right. Let's mm-hmm. deal with it. And we yep. deal with it. You and I are the same kind of people. It's the way we were brought up. And I'm sure, no disrespect to people in this country, I absolutely love you. But the way that we're brought, brought up in the UK and Australia is just totally different. It is, yes. And I think when I get on the sober train with Karina, she can, she can verify this one because <laughs> she's another tough one um, who's toughing it out with, with a lot of issues going on. And like I say, every time something else happens with Dan, the feelings of grief for the loss of what could be creep in. And now you have to pull yourself back into day. Today. Today is good. Have and to. it gets back to one day at a time. It's all everything you can do at life this point. is. Life yeah, is you, one day at a time. You've got to make make the memories good, make the times good, make it comfortable. Yeah. Um, and and try I, and do the best you can. I as you know, I went we went to a wedding. Um at the weekend, not this last weekend, the weekend before. Mm. And I have now got to come to terms with the fact that that is not going to happen anymore because it was just, I just couldn't do it with him. He couldn't do it. Let's put it that way. Unless there's special things put in place, we can't go away again like that. So there's another thing I got to face the loss of is just going away for a couple of days here and there. And you know what we've got to do? We've got to give you things that you can do. Like he am, loves going to the pictures. You yeah, know, you have your pictures. Oh, God, the movies. You, the we, movies. We, that's we just, you know. Movies. So it's um, like We've got the zoo. We're going to the zoo. Yeah, we're going to go to the zoo. So we've got to, Yeah, and you do. And he does. And he loves going to see all the girls at the VA. Oh, gosh, truth. He's a flirt. He's an absolute flirt and he so loves it. Let him have his moments. Yes. And he always says, and he's, he's, he said, I went to the UK and I brought back a souvenir. Here she is. <laughs> he introduces me as his souvenir. Oh, I love grief, it. I love grief it. is just, 
like you said, it's very, very personal it and is. everybody deals with it different. Um, over the years, little things have cropped up that I've cried over. Little things have cropped up that I've cried over that have suddenly occurred to me. And I think a lot of it is because, like I said, my mind put everything in one place until I was ready to deal with it. And it's right. pulling it out a bit at a time. And thankfully, a lot of what it's pulling out is the happy stuff. It's true. And I talked about this documentary. You may know of it. It's called Insight in Australia and it's on um, SBS. Yeah. And they did, um, they were talking about grief and everything. And it's like, and I've pictured it now. I've got my, it's just like you said, my emerald green little heart jewelry boxes. And I have memories of, you know, whether it's the mm -hmm. miscarriages, the dogs, parents, whatever it might be, and they're all in different little compartments, and you're right. Sometimes I go to talk to different ones, and sometimes I, you know, share emotions with different ones. And sometimes you just they're always got with it. you. Yes. They're always with you. And, and that's what they talked about. Where do you put your grief? And that is a really good question to ask yourself, people. And when I did that, I put it in my green, beautiful emerald jewellery box, and yeah, it's, it's that's like where it, they are. Yeah. It, it's like any memory. Mm. You put it until it's time to pull it out and have a look at it. And a lot of, a lot of the tough stuff, you know, the crying, the trying to make your life work after the, all the grief, you tend to forget them. And the happier stuff starts taking over. Mm -hmm. It is happy and, stuff now. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's what I've got. And that's where yeah. I am. I'm at that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Me too. Is my life hard? Yes. Is everybody's life hard? Yeah, at times. No one gets an easy ride. But how you deal with it is individual to you. Yeah, and you get to and you choose to do it. Because if this, if I said to you, okay, Polly, you leave Dan, you go off and do your thing, go travel, do what you want to do, you'd look at me as if I was stupid. Mm -hmm. So Not happening. Right. So, you know, you're doing the best you can and you're doing a terrific job and you're making the adjustments as you need be. Um all you can do for now isn't it sweetie and keep yep, smiling one day at a time and that's all i'll do one day and at keep a time. and keep organizing the women because that's what you do ah <laughs> uh, yeah so i think i think you should take us out on this one because i'm going to say it's been a pleasure and, and i'm really really been. glad we did this and it was an important subject because it's like squirrel monkey said it's a subject nobody wants to talk about it's, it's exactly the same as people don't know how to talk to you when you've lost someone Right. You and know, it is, it's like yeah. a taboo subject, but it's not a taboo subject. It's part of life. Yeah. Grief and like is another sobriety, of emotions. Like mm -hmm. sobriety, you don't tell people how they're going to feel or what way and how and what, you know, order it's going to come in. It's not going to happen. All you no. can do is be there, be supportive, maybe give them a hug if they like that and just, just be there. Really? And there's grief in sobriety because we're giving up something. I mean, yeah, it's not done us any good to drink like that, but there is a certain amount of grief in getting sober because you still go through those same similar emotions. Oh, did it the start? At the start, it was everything. Now I'm just waving it goodbye. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> it. that's a big part. Speaking uh, of, would you like to take us out? I will do. And it's been nice to be on this side of the microphone for a change. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, um, uh, folks. I say no sippy, no slippy. Karina says not another drop, no matter what. Drifter says, pour the poison down the string, sink. And from two sober warriors, two wonderful sober warriors, myself 
and King 13, King 13. Thank you so much for this podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you next time. Yep.